0: As you watch this teaching, please subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see it. Welcome to Home Group. My name is Rick Runner, And tonight we're going to wrap up our teaching about the Holy Spirit. We've been teaching about the 10 things the Holy Spirit does in our lives. And last night and tonight, we've been looking at different things about the Holy Spirit. For example, last night we talked about how not to grieve the Holy Spirit, and tonight, we're going to take it one step further. It is going to be so rich tonight. But I want to welcome Denise and Paul and Joel. You guys look great tonight. Thank you. And you look pretty good yourself. I've been wearing the same color <laughs> shirt every night this week because it finally got warm in Moscow, so I'm wearing a short sleeve shirt. God. And I only have black short sleeve shirts. So, sorry, guys. But, Denise, you look really pretty in your green.
1: Thank you. Well, I, I brought color to the set.
0: Well, I'm glad because... But- The rest of us are not very colorful tonight, but we are in our personalities.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Paul, welcome. (laughs)
2: Okay, I've been holding on to a story, uh, a story about the leading of the Holy Spirit. Okay. It has to do with the car that me and Paulina purchased a few years ago. Uh, And since we purchased this car, we've already given it away, which is the second part of the story. So at the beginning of the story... Uh, We knew we needed a family car. We were looking for uh, a family-type car with van, you know, van, so all six of us could fit in the car. You
1: have four children. Yes,
2: yes, I do. And uh, and so we found the car. And it was pretty simple for me. We found the car. It matches everything we were looking for. Why not buy it now? Why wait? There seems to be no simple reason to wait. And so we went ahead and bought the car. But the entire time we were buying the car, Paulina said, I think we should wait. I don't have peace, and I sometimes I don't quite understand this thing about peace or not peace because everything seems to make sense to me, but she says she didn't have peace, and uh, so we went ahead and bought the car, a few days later, the exchange rate in Russia drastically changed, and we could have bought the car for almost half the price that we bought it a week before.
0: I bet I know what Polina said. Wow. I told you so. I
2: told you so. Yes, I, I got the I told you so. So, there was the leading of the Holy Spirit to wait, but we didn't wait. And it cost us something. Now, it wouldn't have cost us very much to wait a few days. I and mean, probably just a little bit of my personal pride, but that's it. If we had waited, God would have helped us and the Holy Spirit wants to lead us. So your
1: personal pride costs you thousands of dollars. That,
2: that It happens sometimes. But what is the next part of the story? <laughs> next part of the story is I always knew that we would give the car away. I the, the moment we bought the car, I always knew we would give it away. But Polina wasn't so sure about that. Uh, and then <laughs> uh, just, just a little while ago, Polina w- wakes up in the morning and says, you know what, we're gonna give the car away. I said, I know we're gonna give the car away. But I know who we're going to give the car away. She knows who we're going to give the car away. And so we invited this family over and they came over and we presented them with the keys after we had dinner together. And there was a lot of crying and a lot of rejoicing and, you know, a lot of (laughs) testimony involved. But two days after we gave the car to this family, they already had five children. Two days after we gave our car to this family, they found out that they were pregnant with their sixth child. So it was perfect timing. Well. In, a, in a way, it was the Lord telling them that they're go- the Lord is going to take care of them in every single situation in their life. Now, we're still waiting for something amazing to happen in our life. But the point is, is if you listen to the Lord, He wants to protect you from making a mistake. Yeah. And He wants to use you so you can be Something special in somebody
1: else's life. That awesome. So awesome. Thank That's awesome. That's great, Paul. But
0: hey, we want you to order the whole series called The Holy Spirit and You. It is filled with stories like you just heard. Paul, that was a great testimony. But this is 10 parts, and today's the last day we're offering it. So if you're planning to order it, you've been saying, well, I'm going to get to it, I'm going to get to it. Today is the day for you to get to it. And it comes with a study guide, which is free. And today <laughs> is the last day that we're offering it for free. And... We're also offering you the book called The Holy Spirit and You Working Together as Heaven's Dynamic Duo. Now, this is remarkably not a large book. That's unusual for me. You can read it pretty quick. It's not a deep, scholarly book. It's just a book that's going to walk you right into a relationship with the Holy Spirit. So I want you to order it. And if you need prayer, we're here for you. We want to hear from you. Call us. Send us your email. Reach out to us. I promise you, when you reach out to this ministry, we will really pray for you. And if you're a partner, thank you for being a partner. You're making a difference in somebody else's life today with every gift you give to this ministry. We're touching somebody with the Word of God. So thank you so much. But are you guys ready? We are ready. Let's go back to James chapter 4. I want to pick up where we were last night where James was talking about grieving the Holy Spirit, doing what is wrong. And tonight I want us to go back to verse 4 because James says something really important. He's talking to these Christians that are flirting with the world. And when you come to James 4, verse 4, he continues to say, Whosoever therefore will be our friend of the world is the enemy of God. Those words, will be, we saw last night are translated from the Greek word bulomai, which means counsel. And here it's a picture of self-counseling. It's, for example, we gave this example last night somebody who knows that there's a lot of filth and smut and sexual situations in a movie, but everybody else is going to the movie, everybody else says it's good, so they kind of talk themselves into, well, probably I shouldn't go, and, you know, I really don't approve of those things, but they talk themselves into going and watching that. Well, When you sit in that theater and watch all of that, not only is it bad for your mind, it grieves the Holy Spirit in you. It's self-counseling. Self-counseling yourself that it's okay to do something you shouldn't do, or self-counseling yourself that you're justified to feel the bad things you feel. Self-counseling. Whosoever will talk himself into being a friend of the world. Now, here it is. Is the enemy of God. I'm going to teach on the word is. What? You've got to be kidding. You're going to teach on the word is. I am. There's a Greek word for is? The word is that is used here means constitutes himself to be the enemy of God. Which means when you do what is worldly or wrong, you put yourself on the wrong side with God. You make yourself the enemy of God. God is hostile against evil. God is hostile. He is opposed to that which is unholy and that which is unwrong. You don't want to be on the wrong side with God. Mm -mm. And a lot of Christians are living on the wrong side with God. And they feel frustrated in their lives, They feel hindered in their success, and they think it's all the devil. And sometimes it's not the devil at all. You're living on the wrong side. You have constituted yourself to be the enemy of God, and it might be that God is frustrating you to get your attention. Trying to get your attention. And that's why the next verse goes on to say, verse 5, Do you think the Scripture says in vain, The Spirit that dwells in us lusteth to envy? It's talking about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit in us. And this verse tells us three things about the Holy Spirit. He dwells in us. He lusts and envies. Well, the word dwell, the Greek word katoikeo, is a compound of the word "kata," which means down, and the word oikos, which is the Greek word for a house. When you put the two words together, it means to settle down into a house, to live in, to reside in, or to become a permanent in Dweller. It pictures one who settles down into a home and makes himself to feel comfortable there with no intention of ever leaving again, which agrees with Jesus' teaching. In John chapter 14, verse 16, that when the Holy Spirit comes, He would be in us and He would be with us forever. But the Holy Spirit confirms what we have already seen, that the Holy Spirit entwells us. We're His home. We're not a hotel. We're His home. But the verse says, the spirit who's come to permanently live inside us lusteth to envy. What in the world does the word lusteth mean? Well, I guess I'll tell you. (laughs) It's the Greek word epipatheo. The word patheo means to yearn for something. But when the word epi is attached to the front, the word epi adds force. So it describes an intense... Desire, a craving, a hunger, an ache for something, a yearning for something, a hankering for something. It could be actually translated a longing or pining for something, to strain after, to greatly desire, to have a strong affection. Listen to this: the word lust, at the Greek word epipatheia depicts a fervent passion or even an obsession to have something and to possess it. It is actually the word used to describe a man who has an addiction to some kind of drug or chemical. His addiction is so intense that his body is bent over in convulsions, yearning and craving for his next fix. That is the word lusteth. Isn't that amazing? That's pretty strong. But in this verse, it's used in a positive, positive sense to describe the Holy Spirit inside me and inside you. And according to James chapter four, verse five, the Holy Spirit inside us, the Holy Spirit's craving. He's pining, hankering, yearning, bent over, hankering to have something, he's obsessed with it. What does he want? He wants me. He wants you. Last night, Denise was talking about the Holy Spirit being a lover on the inside. He is. And the Holy Spirit's desire is to have us and to have us completely. Now, what I've learned and Denise have learned and we've all learned is it doesn't matter how much you surrender to the Holy Spirit today, tomorrow he's going to ask for more. He's addicted to us. He's in us for us. And his desire is to possess us and to possess us completely. And every day he says, I have to have more. I have to have more. I want more of you. I want more of you today than you gave me yesterday, the next day. I want here's something else of yours that I want. And it's an amazing exchange because as we surrender ourselves to him, he fills us. And that's what the Bible calls sanctification. We receive the sanctifying presence of the Holy Spirit. We yield, He fills. We yield, He fills. We yield, He fills. And every day He's pining over us. Saying, I want that attitude. I want that relationship. I want that talent. I want that thought. He is literally lusting over us. And the verse goes on to say, lusteth to envy. What does the word envy mean? It is a Greek word, pithonas. It's very hard to pronounce. You should see it in Greek. It depicts jealousy, and literally, it depicts a hostile feeling towards someone else because of an advantage, benefit, or position that that other person has achieved. This is a deeply felt grudge due to someone possessing what he wishes was his own. Hmm. It denotes the malice or envy, the emotions of a man or woman who realizes their spouse is committing adultery. He bears malice in his heart toward the offender. He is upset with a romantic bandit. He is envious of that relationship. But the word envy that is used here does not depict one who says, well, I'm hurt and I'm out of here. It depicts one who sets about to put the relationship back in order again. I'm going to take my spouse out of the hands of that romantic bandit and bring this relationship back where it needs to be with me. One who takes action, but he's very upset because his spouse or her spouse has given their heart to somebody else, which means when we're worldly and we give our heart to something else, the Holy Spirit sees himself like a jealous lover, and he immediately moves into action to deliver us from the romantic bandit so that our focus is returned to him. Wow. And when you put all three of these together, the Holy Spirit dwells in us, the Holy Spirit lusts in us, and the Holy Spirit has envy. Make no mistake, the Holy Spirit is very intentional. And if we've given any part of ourselves to something else or to someone else's control, the Holy Spirit will swing into action like a jealous lover to deliver us out of the clutch of that other thing and bring us back into relationship with Him. And that is why the verse goes on to say in verse 6. But he gives more grace. This means if we're not doing what is right, God's going to cause grace to swing into action and God's going to do for us what we're not doing by ourselves. God is literally saying, if you're not going to come back by yourself, then I'm just going to move on your behalf. He gives more grace, wherefore he saith, God resists the proud, but gives grace unto the humble. The word proud represents the Christian who is not going to come back on his own. And this verse says, God will resist a stubborn Christian. Resist? The Greek word, it means to arrange oneself against and to methodically oppose. It is a military term <laughs> that depicts a strategic plan of opposition intended to bring a situation under control. The use of this word in the context of this verse tells us God will arrange himself against an erring believer. He will strategically oppose any Christian who is out of balance and off course in order to bring them back into relationship. In other words, if you're not going to come back by yourself, then I'm going to swing into action and do what I have to do to get you back in the right position with me. That is how much He loves us. Mm -hmm. And what I've learned over the years, of course, the devil hinders us. The devil opposes us. But if we ever come to a moment where we feel like we're being hindered in our ministry, I don't scream devil, first of all. First thing I do is look at me. Am I doing anything that the Lord's trying to get my attention? God's for us. The Bible says, if God be for us, who can be against us? God is for us. But one of the ways God is for us is sometimes to get our attention. (laughs) That's an act of mercy. God gives more grace. His grace swings into action. If we're not going to come by ourselves and wake up to what we're doing wrong, sometimes God will just do something to get our attention. And this verse says, God resists the proud, which means he strategically arranges himself against in order to bring a situation under control. That is amazing. It is. It's amazing. You always say that it's, it's easier to self-correct than be corrected. Oh my goodness, I would much rather self correct. And the Holy Spirit will help you be self corrected. Paul, do you have any comments?
2: Next two Sundays you'll be preaching in church. Please speak about what you've been talking about here in the home group. You want me to do that? Yeah. That would be wonderful for the church, especially in preparation for Pentecost. I will sure do that. Thank you. Romans six sixteen talks about the fact that we have a choice who to be a servant to. Know ye not that to whom you yield yourself servant to obey, his servants you are to whom you obey. So we have a choice in the matter. This, this what you're talking about here in James and in Romans 6:16, 6, it proves that we have a choice in the matter. And we have to make the choice to continue to obey, obey Jesus, to continue to obey the leading of the Holy Spirit. And just like we talked about a few days ago, how in uh, John 16, the work of the Holy Spirit to show us or reveal us our sins is actually an
0: act of mercy so that we can see what we need to change. Well, you know, the verse goes on to say in James chapter 4, um, right now. verse 6, mm. it says, and he gives grace unto the humble. So God resists the Christian who refuses to make it right by himself. He refuses to self-correct. God strategically Poses, he frustrates in order just to get their attention. God's not in the business of frustrating anybody. He's just trying to make things right, get, the, get their relationship, to deliver us from the romantic bandit. And He gives grace to the humble. The word humble describes the repentant heart. This is the person who says, I get it. I get it, Lord. I have done wrong. Lord, thank you so much for getting my attention. Bam! Immediately. God's grace swings into action. All that opposition is removed. And suddenly things begin to click. Things begin to work. And prosperity and success. It's just like everything. The valve is turned back on. Everything begins to flow again. God was just trying to get us back in right position. And that's why the verse goes on to say in verse 8, As you draw nigh to God, God will draw nigh to you. Which means God is attracted to humility. Like a magnet and metal. But when you are proud, it repels. But when you have a right heart, God is like a metal to magnet. Bam! He comes. Humility is so, so powerful. And that's why David's prayer of repentance in the 51st Psalm. Create in me a clean heart. in me a clean heart take not your Holy Spirit from me. Of course, God's not going to take the Holy Spirit from us. He dwells in us, but we can grieve the Holy Spirit in us. Praise God, we're New Testament believers. The Holy Spirit doesn't come and go. We're not a hotel, we're a home. But David had that. He, he He was in the possibility of losing the Holy Spirit, if I understand correctly. Well, back in those days, the Holy Spirit didn't live in people. But if David didn't live right, The Holy Spirit wouldn't even come upon David. David knew that he was in jeopardy of losing something. But when we have a humble heart, I'll tell you, humility is powerful. It is so powerful. God is so attracted to humility.
2: Paul. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit in me. Cast not away thy presence, and take not away thy Holy Spirit from me. We should have the same attitude today, the same sincerity and as we grow in the Lord, and as we gain knowledge, we shouldn't become uh, hard-hearted, or we shouldn't become heady, or we shouldn't become a skeptic. We need to keep our sincerity, and there, there's 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 value in that sincerity. There's something clean in that that we should keep as we grow in the Lord. As we have other life experiences, we need to keep that sincerity so that 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 holiness is in us all the time. That's right. Denise?
1: Well, if we, like David was praying, take not thy Holy Spirit from us, from me and, and and." Sometimes Christians, we just go, oh, you know, God has grace on me. God has grace on me. And, you know, this isn't so bad. And other people, they're, they're doing much worse than me. And we, we self-talk like Rick t- talked about. And if you
0: make those statements, you're, you're already in a you're bad place. You're already going. It's a bad place. You're
1: already going with being deceived by your own pride. And God is already st- in the process of resisting. And if we don't have any fear of God, that the Holy Spirit is going to resist us. He's going to be grieved. We're not going to have His sweet fellowship. We're not going to have His guidance.
0: You know, Denise, in James chapter 1, James talks about Christians who deceive themselves. What does that mean? Well, that word that James uses was the word used to describe a librarian. We would compare documents. They would make an analysis. But they would come up with an incorrect conclusion. And sometimes Christians arrive at an incorrect conclusion. That's really self-deception. Hmm. They say, well, I know what this says. I know what I'm doing. They don't quite match. But maybe it's okay. No, no, no. That's self-deception. That's that You come to the wrong conclusion. They need to match. And if you're allowing anything that you know in your heart is a violation. It's not right. By the way, the word trespass, it's what Christians commit. Christians trespass. The word trespass means to cross a line you know you're not supposed to cross. It means to go over a boundary. And if there's any areas where you're going over a boundary, people today talk about boundaries. What about boundaries with God? Mm -hmm. What about boundaries of what's right and wrong in your heart? If you're you're crossing a boundary, then it's wrong. You don't want God to have to do something to get your attention. But that's what James says he'll do. That's how much he loves us. He's a lover. He loves us. If you've been doing anything wrong that is a violation, it's better just to be humble because God gives grace to the humble and bam, everything begins to swing back into place again. Things begin to click and pick up. That's what God wants for you. We pray it for you. We pray it for you. If you want somebody to pray with you right now, send us your email, give us a call, we'll pray with you. We speak the blessing of God to you. We want you to enter into a marvelous, wonderful, experiential partnership with the Holy Spirit. We're out of time. We'll be back on Monday, but this has really been great. We'll see you Monday. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed that teaching, please subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see it.